Hello and welcome to the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, my name is Ian Cheeseman and I am the host of a Manchester City weekly podcast. And I'm delighted to have your company. We talk about all things City. Last week, for example, in the podcast, we did a lot of stuff about what happens off the field. So there were a lot of ticketing issues and we had somebody from the 1894 group who was talking about the new North Stand. We had somebody from City Matters who was talking about various issues with ticketing. And that might have been, if you listen to that one, uh, something that was very specific that didn't engage you as much. So today we're going to talk a lot more about the football. On the other hand, if you're a fan who attends matches and is concerned about those things, then have a listen back to last week's podcast and you'll find out a lot more, hopefully, that will help you in the future. A big shout out to Howard Solicitors, who are the sponsors of this podcast. They're based in Cheshire and Ashton and various other places. And if you go to howardsolicitors.com, Uh, then you will find out all about them. They've got an email address on there. They've got a phone number you can call and all of the based in the Greater Manchester area. If you are having an issue, uh, it might be, for example, that you've been uh, involved in a family dispute and you need some help or perhaps, uh, you know, you've been arrested or you know somebody's been arrested and you need somebody to respond quite quickly, they will help. And even if you're outside of this area, I'm sure that if you look on their website or contact them because they sponsor the Forever Blue podcast, and by definition, you'd be a City fan doing that, they will do their best to try and help you. Now, my guests for this particular podcast are the legend that is Paul Lake, who's uh, somebody I've worked with a lot over the years and I consider to be a friend, and I hope that's not going too far, Paul, but uh, always uh, amazing to have you on the podcast. And we have two of our regulars from the Forever Blue team, Harlan and Tony. So we're going to talk about um, the title, which seems very, very close. But just before we we talk about this, one thing I've got to say, if you didn't watch the Forever Blue uh, vlog, which I did from Everton, then you won't know this. And this is just for information, really. Um, I got a phone call from City on Friday. Um, saying to me um, that the Premier League had asked that I no longer film inside stadiums for my Premier League vlogs. Uh, It's a Premier League instruction, which means that um, from now on, uh, when I do Premier League vlogs, um, the only video that you will see is before and after the game from outside the stadium. Now, obviously, I'd always been very careful not to film the match action um, and I only ever had the, the teams coming out or going off. And then I was lucky enough to bump into people like Paul in the stadium and would get them to to contribute, which they were always willing to do. But the Premier League has put a stop to that now. So going forward, the only places I'll be able to do Premier League vlogs at the moment would be outside the stadium before and after with no shots at all allowed inside the stadium. I have no control over that. Um, So I just wanted to explain that so that when you watch the vlog from Everton and any subsequent vlogs, for example, now, and this leads us into the Chelsea game, potentially lifting the trophy, I won't be able to film lifting the trophy. I won't be able to film any fans reacting to that. Uh, I can only talk to people once they come outside the stadium. It's not my fault. And um, I must say that it's it's making me a little bit anxious going forward about what I'm going to be doing. But that's for another day. We'll 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 take it one day at a time. For the moment, I'm very grateful for for these three guys to be on the uh, the podcast. So we'll move on from that story. 
and bring in Paul straight away, who um, it's always a joy to speak to. And I'm sure today, Paul, you're feeling just as chipper as I am and everybody else is, because not only City won at Everton earlier today, as we were recording this on Sunday evening, but Arsenal slipped up at home to Brighton, which means one more victory against Chelsea next Sunday evening. And the title is done. And in fact, if Arsenal slip up against Nottingham Forest next Saturday, it could be done even before we go to the stadium. And I would presume that um, the presentation of the trophy, if it goes according to plan, would be after the Chelsea game, because there's two away games after that. And they, I'm sure, would prefer to do it in the home game. So I suppose the first thing to ask, Paul, is um, how pleased and excited and delighted are you that City are in the position they're in now? Yeah, absolutely delighted, Cheesy. And, and like you say, I mean, I was confident that we would uh, we would turn the uh, toffees over because despite the, how they uh, they turned uh, Brighton over uh, on the home turf, I've just felt that all season, especially the latter half of this season, we we just we seem to take a stranglehold of games, and even when teams are creating chances, you just feel that we're just able to find a different gear every time. Even when we uh, we beat uh, Fulham at Fulham, I felt like it was always in second gear. If we needed to get that extra punch from somewhere, you know, and obviously it was Alvarez with a, with a worldly strike, but you always felt that if we needed it, we'd be able to do that. So I was confident, but I was, I was quite disappointed from an Everton perspective as well, because they offered nothing really. And, and um, once Calvert-Lewin off at half time, and I hope he's okay, by the way, but I felt like it was, it was, it was done, you know? So, uh, and, and there's nothing better than seeing Ilkay Gundogan in the, in the kind of form that he is in. We all know that he was Pep's first signing, but he's just such an intelligent footballer. I mean, I've seen the pieces done recently on the website and he talks about his coaching and, and, and sort of creating shapes and, and trying to, you know, sort of monopolize from an offensive perspective. But he's just such an intelligent footballer, the positions that he takes up, you know, and, and uh, he's one that you'd argue um, probably will have to start on Wednesday. But then, you know, obviously there is always that that challenge and that competition because everyone's playing so well. And like you say, no one, I don't think, saw the, the Arsenal game coming the way that it did, especially after them being beaten 5-1 at home. You felt that... Um, Arsenal would just take us to the wire type of thing and we had to win every single game. So delighted. And it wasn't just a slip up. They were thumped today. Let's have it right. So they will be demoralised because as far as they're concerned, Arsenal fans are concerned, it's gone. So that game against Nottingham Forest is going to be one where Forest are going to be so up for it. We know what that feels like going to Forest and not getting a result. You know, so it's going to be really, really tough. So I'd actually be surprised if Arsenal do win, you know, at the City ground. So I'm very, very confident. And this is the selfish City fan in me is thinking we can rest players if we get through on Wednesday. And, and also you're thinking to yourself that, you know, if, um, if, we can, if we can manage the games, obviously that everyone's talking about the treble. And, and um, you know, it, it's something that, the old City fan that we all are isn't wanting to tempt Providence, isn't wanting to tempt Faye. And there's always that um, typical City mentality that we still have, despite being so dominant. I just wonder how many City fans now, that that typical City mentality starting to shrink and shrink and shrink. And 
The typical city in Elches, as you and I know, is the Aguero goal, is the Gundogan goals against Aston Villa. That's typical city today. So I'm really, really excited about what's coming next. Um, but obviously we know that the game last week was tough. And I've got to be honest, I was particularly impressed with the likes of um, Tamavinga and uh, obviously Vinicius Jr. I mean, what a, you know, what a, an exciting talent he is. And when you've got players like Cruz and Modric and Benzema, you know you're going to be in for a really tough game. Still fancy us strongly at home. And we need to create that, that amazing atmosphere, which I know we will. The biggest game, I'd suggest, potentially in Pep's um, you know, tenure at, uh, at City, because you feel like this is, this is our time. Absolutely. I mean, I, I try to analyse every week about what it is that makes this team special. And obviously, the individuals within the team are all special. However, the more than the sum of the parts, it feels to me, they're about the way that Pep sets them up. I mean, if you actually, you know, you look at a player, um, you know, like, uh, well, I'm trying to think of one particular example, Cancelo, let's say. right? So Cancelo was an integral part of City. And he's now been moved out of, of City and he's currently playing at Bayern Munich. Now, I don't watch Bayern Munich every week, so I don't know quite how he's doing, but he's certainly not been irreplaceable at City. And as much as we love the individuals at City, my guess is, and we've seen evidence of this during Pep's tenure, that if you actually removed any individual and brought somebody else in, it still continues on in the sort of unrelenting way. So what is it do you think he does, Pep? Apart from tactics, but but what is it that he does that that creates this sort of not just will to win, but no player will give even a ball up of that, that Bernardo ball that, that may or may not have gone over the line at Real Madrid was a, a perfect example. He kept it alive. The ball went on to the next player who stretched for it and got it. And we see incidents like that get in the games, and all eleven are always on that. How does he achieve that? I think what, what Pep is, is superb at is, you know, first and foremost, he, he, he creates that deep connection with, the, with each individual player. Uh, he, he, he coaches them, um, he guides them to make each individual a much better performer, a much more intelligent, much more adept, much more capable individual. He, he makes them man confident. He, he, he builds the relationships you know, those interpersonal relationships. Uh, he, he ensures that those units are, are strong. And, you know, we talk about pairings and about, you know, whatever players are playing is that he's able to just enable people to connect in a different way. And when you have a philosophy which is so embedded and so strong and so unique, it almost creates a 12th man on the pitch. It creates that those moments and, and that's what it's all about, is connecting with those moments, because those are the moments, like you say, where Bernardo keeps it in. Those are the moments where Kevin scores that wonder strike. It's those moments that each player builds for. So you've seen how we keep the ball so beautifully and how we're so creative, you know, in that. And, and the fact that you've got Haaland, who before half-time had scored, had touched the ball three times and scores once. You know, and that's something which, again, is a, a different level for us because we've got other strings to our bow now. It's almost like whenever Pep 
thinks that people are, are, are getting to grips with us, he's able to go to another level. It's almost like there's a different part to to each to, to his football brain, which he's able to tap into. Like we saw how he schooled um, Arteta in the four-one. I mean, that was that was just mind blowing how intelligent it was, and it felt like people were saying, "Oh, it's just a straightforward ball." It was so much more than that. But I think what I love about how Pep approaches each player is because. He's so demanding of each individual because he knows that's what they expect of themselves. So he won't allow their standards to drop. And I'm actually curious to see how Calvin Phillips is going to step up to the plate because I don't feel that trust is there yet. And I think that probably, you know, is a is a statement of fact based on the the, the lack of minutes he's been he's been playing, especially in key games where we could or we would we would rather have. You know, players like Rodri and, and Gundogan, you know, be able to rest for 15, 20 minutes. That hasn't been the case. So the relationships, the trust and, and the love that it creates means that every player is playing, obviously, for themselves and for their family. I mean, if you've been on the stadium tour, Cheesy, you'll know that, you know, the wall on the right-hand side before the, by the players walk out is all of their pictures. So it's all of those deep connections. This is why we play. This is who we're playing for. You know, so he actually, you know, he embeds that, that philosophy, but he also embeds a togetherness, which we haven't really seen. And those players that aren't as connected, they're the players that he moves on. You know, there's, a, there's an expression which the, which the All Blacks use, and pardon my French, but they do say no dickheads. And that's it. It's about bringing good people, good people into the environment who you know you can trust. And that's what Pep has, has created. Yes, during the during the game, you know, he doesn't he doesn't sit still because he demands, 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 even three goals up, you know, because they're, they're those moments. If you switch off, they're those moments against the Real Madrid that can be the difference. So whereas people might think he's a, he's almost like a megalomaniac. The whole point is that, you know, you have to realise every single moment can be the difference. And with that that consistency, that repetition, I think that's what he he's, he's just created uh, uh, so many moving parts. And each individual is, is able to recognise that I'm playing a massive part in it. Look at Laporte. Laporte hasn't played much, you know, and you think getting a sense of that individual, he's the kind of person that would smart. Because if Ilkay, and I hope he signs, by the way, again, but if Ilkay was to leave and Laporte was to leave, they're going to Barcelona. And these are players that aren't playing week in, week in, week out for us. And yet Pep's keeping them together. So, you know, there's the gold dust from a, a, a technical and a tactical perspective, but there's a trust in that person. And I think once you become part of that City family, I, I suggest you're a part of the City family for life. We are as fans and they are as a, an alumni of incredible people that are taking us, God willing, to the next level. I was delighted to see you are still very much part of the City family, not just the, us my fans who love you anyway, but also part of the proper City family because you presented a trophy at the CFA not too long ago, which made me feel very proud sat in the stand watching you do that, Paul, uh, more than you will ever know. Uh, but it was lovely to see you do that. Um, do you actually ever interact with Pep 
um, if you had a chat to him because I've mentioned on the podcast before that a couple of times he's he's actually embraced me and he's, he's shook my hand and when that has happened to me and I'm not a footballer I've never been a footballer you have it's made me think well I'd, I'd walk, run through a brick wall for this fella um, have you had that interaction with him has, has he spoken to you very much? I haven't to, to any great degree. I mean, during the COVID period, I did uh, do some work at the CFA and I bumped into him, shall we say. I was introduced to him and said a quick hello. And I was introduced as a former player. And he said, look, you should come and have a cup of tea sometime, which I would have loved to have done. But obviously, you know, the guy is very, very busy. So that didn't really happen. Um, but I just think there's an there's a, um, an authenticity to him. You know, he's just so genuine and yeah, I think he's. He, there's not many people in life where you walk into a room and literally you can feel their presence. You can just, they've just got that persona and they just create an atmosphere where you're, you're feeling awe. And and um, that's what it felt like being in, in Pep's company. Obviously, these guys are, are used to that. But, um, you know, I, we are in the presence of probably the greatest coach that will ever grace uh, the Premier League. And I say that. Can I, can I suggest even one of the greatest humans that's maybe uh, graced the Premier League? Uh, you know, and, and again, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. But it's just fascinating when we think as City fans that you know a manager can come in, into a club and he can win trophies. Pep Guardiola has done that, but he's changed the face of football in this, in the, in the whole of football. How many teams in League Two, in the National League, the National League North? will try and play out from the back and play through the thirds and stretch the pitch and play out wide and step inside and create overloads and create underloads. You know, how many? This has come from Pep Guardiola. That is the, how immense. So, you know, when we're talking about our manager, our manager has changed the face of football in this country. You know, there's no greater, you know, accolade for me than that. Absolutely. Now we've got Paul for about another 10 minutes or so. Um, just before, well, bring Paul in again before we let him go. To his, uh, He's got a busy evening ahead of him. Um, the two of you, Harlan and Tony, have been listening to what Paul's been saying. Um, and I know that you'll have been listening very intently. So I'm going to give you the platform now to either expand on something you've heard from Paul or even ask Paul a question yourself. So Harlan, uh, let's kick off with you. Yeah, um, you, you bang on, Paul. Um, you know, I think I was going to start somewhere else this evening just by talking about the running analogy from a couple of weeks ago, Ian, uh, that we were all speaking about. I think Tony was on and I had to dash off uh, after about 25 minutes. But what I'll never forget is, I'll never forget, you know, saying, and this isn't me blowing my own trumpet or my own instrument or whatever, but I, I knew this was going to happen. I just knew they wouldn't have the legs, Arsenal. I really, really did. We spoke about, you know, the leader of the pack tripping up, twisting an ankle, pulling a calf. I don't know if you remember what I said, Tony, but mm. I said that, that we'd hound them. Um, you know, us, us seeing them in the distance, uh, but still remaining on their heels would cause them to fumble. They've done exactly that. I think I mentioned that night as well about the fact that they'd drop them, them points in the draws that they'd hit consecutively and that they'd do it again. They've gone and done it again. This afternoon, they lost to an unbelievable football team that Graham Potter will hugely regret leaving. The Zerbies gained a hell of a lot from what Graham, Graham Potter left behind at Brighton. And I think that that football team is a very underappreciated football team in the Premier League. That for me, is definitely in the top six best football playing sides in the division, but aren't a top six side. Um, 
what I would want to restart with then is what, where Paul came from there about teams adopting the pet philosophy of, of football. And a manager that I speak to a lot about to wonder is Ian Ebert is a man that has spoken hugely about who he looks up to in the in the game of football. The pressing comes from a combination of Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola. Of course, it's not a Gagan press. It's almost, you know, a, a full press with with that almost hybrid resistance sometimes to not be be, 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 be too intense where you're going to be beaten. Um, but also, he's spoken hugely about Pep Guardiola and how he's influenced not just his time at Bolton, but at Barrow previous to that, where he got them out of a difficult league in the National League, uh, which is not an easy feat, as we saw this year, with Notts County almost slipping up at the weekend. Uh, you know, the pressing intensity, um, as Paul said, the, the, the ability to, 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 to work the ball onto the right-hand side, then come back across and go out the other side, then penetrate through the middle of the park, you know, progress the ball when it needs to go forward, recycle when needed. And we mentioned months ago, it's, it's, it's Pep's philosophy and it's what he's asked the players to do. But on the pitch, he's got no control over it. Yes, he can dictate from the touchline. Yes, he can ask them to change their ways during games. But if Rodri decides to go lateral or he decides to go horizontal or decides to go all the way back through to Diaz, that is down to him. Is he going to progress the ball through the line to De Bruyne? Is he going to look wide to Grealish? Is he going to play the short ball or is he going to try and go even more direct and diagonal to Mahrez? You know, that's going to come from the player, but deep down it does come from Pep. Now look, back to what I said earlier on, Arsenal have fumbled and we've been there. And I did say on the, on the, on the podcast that night, we'll be waiting in the wings to capitalise when they do so. Um, they're a good football team. I didn't want vitriol. I didn't want a hatred towards Arsenal if they were to push us all the way to the last game of the season at Brentford. They're a good team with a good manager who, again, is a disciple of Pep Guardiola. And yes, there's been a bit of dark arts in there this year. Yes, they've had to find their way through games. Yes, they've had to scrape through games in the end. But they've shown almost champion mentality at times in games, Arsenal. But it's just not been enough, has it? We will win at the weekend. We will secure the league title at the weekend against Chelsea. I'm not a blind optimist, Ian. I'm, 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 a, I'm, an, I'm a believing optimist. And I believed that we'd, we'd, we'd beat QPR that day. I'd be lying if I said I did last year against Villa. It was almost a bit too difficult. But we did. I'm certainly not going to doubt the fact that we're going to beat Chelsea at the weekend when I, I saw what my side did against Aston Villa with 19 minutes to go last year, plus I need time. Um, we've stayed where we needed to stay. We've done what we needed to do. As Paul has eloquently said before me there, Pep Guardiola's intensity and his determination to deliver messages in the way that he does by bringing everyone together, Paul, you bang on, pal. I, uh, I hope I can call you pal, by the way. Um, I, I think it's outstanding. And I think that, that, like Paul said, regardless of whether Pep wins the treble and decides to leave, depart, whether he does it next year or not, this guy has changed the face of football in this country. And one more thing as well, which I think is important for the podcast, because, of course, this podcast is for everybody. Ian. This podcast is for those of any nationality, sexuality, um, those with additional needs, those with no additional needs. I was speaking to a young person's parents last week at Bolton, Jack. He's a, he's a young lad with, I don't like calling it a disability, I like calling them determined individuals with, um, you know, a poor hand of cards that have been dealt to them throughout their life. But what I would say is I spoke to his parents just about Pep and about those intense managers that, that do what Paul said and can't stop moving and maybe fidget and, and maybe can't, 
focus on something for, for, for too long without moving on to something else. And we were speaking, um, they obviously send their son to a school with those that are autistic, those, those young people that may be autistic or have um, additional needs in that sense. And I think we're all on a spectrum, Ian. And I, I potentially think that maybe Pep Guardiola does um, maybe, maybe have attention deficit disorder or maybe potentially does have a slight level of autism. But you know what? Doesn't Pep Guardiola prove that those with autism are magical? Doesn't he prove that those that have got autistic traits that are on a spectrum to a high level can achieve the best things in the world? Pep Guardiola's done that for me. And autistic or not, he's my manager. Well, obviously, we don't know whether he is on that spectrum. No, 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 but you know what I mean. Anyway, I'm going to bring Tony in in a minute because I'm going to let Paul go in a second. Um, so I'm going to just ask one more question of you, Paul, which is the big game is Wednesday against Real Madrid. Um, I, I just wonder where you are on that. I mean, obviously, he's going to bring back in De Bruyne. I'm saying, obviously, he's going to bring back De Bruyne in, in my opinion. He's going to start uh, Bernardo Silva again. You know, there's going to be some changes. We saw what happened in the first leg. Where are you now on, on Wednesday? Is Is it... Just the case of City dotting the I's and crossing the T's and it's the Champions League final or more difficult than that? Where are you on it? Yeah, it's far more difficult than that, Cheesy. I, I only wish it was that straightforward. And I, I admire your optimism, you know, <laughs> but I know why you say what you say. Uh, certainly, I suppose it was different battles during the course of the game, which really was, was really intriguing. And one that I felt um, actually Bernardo... Um, he struggled a bit with Kamavinga, and that's the one area of the game we felt, as much as we love Bernardo, um, Kamavinga, it felt like he had his number from a, an offensive perspective, but obviously he's quick, he's powerful, and as, as, as energetic as Bernardo is, he couldn't, he couldn't stay with him. And so they were creating overloads on that side, you know, albeit because they'll have a, you know, a deep block and then they'll just spring that, you know, that we've got to Rodrigo and obviously Vinicius, the pace they've got in wide areas. So that's going to be a threat. So that's that's their biggest uh, asset, I would suggest, is going to be that left-hand side. So, you know, Pep might reflect on that and think, OK, would would Mares, as much as, you know, this season he's been he's been fantastic, would he occupy Kamavinga more? Would even the thought of Phil Foden, you know, being out there, you know, going to gain Phil was superb today. And, you know, he, he dropped in and did so many different things. And we know that the competition for that, for those places is going to be, you know, so, so intense and everyone will want to play. I'm not suggesting for one moment that Bernardo would let us down because he wouldn't. But, you know, if you look at the game as a whole, you felt that that, that battle, you felt, was one that, that Bernardo struggled with, I would suggest. I mean, certainly... Oh. Sorry, sorry, mate. On that, I watched the back back end of the Real Madrid game yesterday. They obviously won one 0 against Katafi. Camavinga went down with a with a knee injury, so that, that that could actually be on on what you're saying there. That could actually be a huge help to us. Um, he seemed to roll his ankle and jar jar his knee. He had ice on it at the end of the game, around seventy minutes. So Camavinga being out could actually be the diamond that we needed. Um, wish him all the best, of course. What a player, as you said, brilliant, brilliant football player. Really is a top top notch young player. Um, but seems to have took a, a bad one that will potentially and look like it'll take him out of the game on Wednesday evening. Right. Well, yeah. obviously he was such a threat in that first leg. I thought he was yeah. their most promising 
player going forward, really, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Mate. So, so obviously there is that. But again, you know, in terms of how this is more about what we do to teams and how we dominate teams, especially at home. And and just so so excited about you know you mentioned before Harlan around around Arsenal and around your thoughts towards Arsenal and I totally understand the, you know the point that you're making there and and I love the fact that teams are trying to push us because obviously the 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 more challenging those uh, those moments are I think that brings the best out of us if you look at the you know the the sort of chases we had with Liverpool in the past you know on the one the, the one point and even with United when on goal difference back in 2012 so that brings the best out of us and it keeps that competition you know at its at its um, most intense and that brings out the best in all of our players but I also think that in terms of that game um, we saw Carvajal and how um, ridiculously overly aggressive he was with um, uh, with Jack and and how things were missed we need to make sure that we maintain our temperament because that is something that they will look at They've got some really clever footballs. We know Modric. We know the the energy of Valverde. We know what Tommy Cruz can do. So we know that they've got some really talented individual players and they do set up a certain way. So we know what's coming and they know what's coming from us. And that's why I think the the, the whole occasion you know, will be will be so, so intense. But having that Haaland, you know, there's this times where Haaland does things that we're thinking... No, no one can live with that. You know, there's there's overhead kicks that that guy's probably taking out of the sky at 14 foot in the air, it seems. And it's like, these are the things that, that only this guy can do. I think that's going to be the difference, is that X factor either, the fact that he can create something, or that he's such a distraction that it enables the, wonder, the wonderful Kevin De Bruyne, you know, Ilkay Gundogan, whoever that might be, Jack, or that right-hand side, wherever it's going to be, to be able to, to maximise that potential. The one player that, we, that we, we've spoken about in past uh, podcasts around John Stones and how, you know, how superb he has been and how effective and significant he's been. You know, the same with regard to Nathan Ake. You know, he's we've got so many players that have stepped up, you know, and again, that's that Pep Guardiola effect. He's bringing out the best in players. And actually... You know, turning players into into you know stronger individuals and stronger versions of themselves. I don't think any of us saw Ake being the player that he is. We thought, yes, he was a great sort of number three, number four centre half, and got an amazing leap, and he kept the ball quite well. He's got a sense of danger, a bit like Pablo, um, but he's gone to a different level again. John has got so many more strings to his bow. You know, against Bayern Munich, well, how many times did he get forward? Against Real Madrid, how many times was he that spare man? When you've got a spare man that can see so many different lanes, you know, I just think it, it just means that we've just got so much more that we can bring into each game, so many more opportunities that we can create. So I, I think that... Our defence will obviously have to make sure that it's no silly mistakes, that we are patient. I think there's going to be some mind games, and you use that expression, which has been used a lot, the dark arts. Oh, it's quite, it makes me smile, that, because it was called something completely different in my day, you know, um, but I know exactly what you mean. So there's going to be all manner of things that Real will try to bring to the table to put us off our stride and to try to create something and it's going to be a fascinating uh, um, tactical battle, I would suggest. But I just think 
every single one of our players will step up as theirs will. We just have an extra gear at home. And I think that's going to see us through. I still attempt in fate, but I think that's going to be the case. Do we almost have to learn in this game or shall I say learn in the game, rather do it before and set up to almost not... Listen, we need to play our own game, don't we? But but play the game a bit as well, but not get sucked into, like you say, the the, 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 the 1v1 battles where it could get tetchy. But have we almost got to game manage a bit ourselves to get ourselves through this with it being one all without being overly vicious and ferocious? You said Carvajal was, which you bang on about, by the way. Absolutely no need for it. It was just unrequired. It wasn't required. But have we almost got to do what we as City fans don't want our team to do? Because we want to be purists. But have we almost got to delay it a bit? Have we almost got to be a bit more, um, you know, Fernandinho-esque, you know, where we, we commit a few more uh, tactical fouls and we do break the play up and do what Casemiro got away with all year last year through that through that second leg where he, he should have gone off five or six. If there was five red cards, he should have received all five of them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And found his way through it. Is Rodri going to be a bit more of a nasty player in this game? Have we got to find a way through it rather than just trying to play the pure football that we do? I think that um, obviously we've got we've got so much uh, craft knowledge of these games, you know, the intensity, the level, the expectations. So I think Pep, you know, and with his team and the players themselves, you know, they've got that, that uh, you know, capability to, to sort of recognise those key moments, how they're going to respond. And, and again, our frustration will be, I'd suggest, Harlan, you know, is that unfortunately we have to trust the officials, you know, that they will see these things and often they just don't. I mean, again, just on a, a separate entity, I mean, a, a player gets punched in the face at the weekend and it's like, really? That's not seen. So we have to make sure that we, we, are, we are as resilient as we possibly can be but what I love is the fact that because we hunt in packs and we're relentless in terms of how we hunt in packs, I don't think any player will get away with that. I certainly feel that in terms of, yeah, being being a bit more robust, you know, is it, something that is probably, yes, we'd like to do that, but it is so foreign to some of our players. I mean, Bernardo it isn't, isn't shy and leaving a foot now and again, you know, just a little nudge now and again. So we've got players that, you know, have, are, are savvy in that regard, but... I don't think the likes of Jack or Phil or those kind of players, if they try to adopt that, I think it'd end up in tears for them and for us. So I think we've got to be careful in terms of how you game manage. But I certainly feel that there's a lot of learnings from that last game. And I think that will help us because we now know that this is their A game. And I feel that although we were good and we were well worth the draw, we weren't necessarily at our absolute best as we know we can be. So we've got more to come. That's their limit. So I think all things considered, you know, we've got we've got the capability to to take a stronger hold of the game, to put the game to bed, and to see the game out. And I think that the atmosphere that we create and we consistently create will will add to that. It's going to be an unbelievable night. I've got to say, I'm I am nervous in an excited way. And obviously today has, has created that opportunity now where you start to believe that certain things could happen. But again, not wanting to attempt for uh, Providence because you don't want to come across as aloof or arrogant. We're just confident in our team because our team are the best in world football at the moment, I would suggest. 
Well, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always, to have you on the podcast. Uh, thanks very much for so much of your time tonight while we record this. Um, hopefully, I'll see you outside the ground sometime soon and get you on the vlog again. Um, but unfortunately, we'll have to do it on the inside. Uh, yeah. Certainly not at Premier League games anyway. So thanks a lot, Paul. Um, okay. Have a great Cheers, evening. Nice. Nice my love you to your lovely wife, Jo, and we'll, uh, we'll speak soon. Cheers, take care. Bye-bye now. So that's uh, that's Paul. Now, Tony hasn't even spoken yet, and I apologise for that, Tony. Um, you've been sitting there patiently listening. Um, so I'm going to throw the floor over to you now, sir, and uh, ask you for your opinions. You, you can comment on anything you've heard from Paul, or you can introduce something else. The, the floor is yours, Tony. Um, I mean, there's probably not a lot more to say than, obviously, that Harlan and Paul have covered, ultimately, uh, without kind of going over it and, and regurgitating it and saying it in a different way. But I think, um, you know, if we're looking at uh, the game, you know, today, was that um, I think that we managed the game really well. We're, we're on a roll, I think, as we said before, and, that, and Harlan's mentioned this, but we're on a roll. And I think that anything that's 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 been thrown at us, we've, we've coped. Um, and we've been fortunate, and I say fortunate, because I think that when you're in all these competitions, there's got to be an amount of fortune where certain things happen and certain players allow you to interchange at certain times, et cetera, et cetera. And we've been kind of fortunate in that. We've not, you know, we've not lost too many players for too longer periods in order to then affect what we're doing, which then goes back to the, um, the, the points that we mentioned about the way that each player that comes in is, is, is you know, is so important and so integral. But I think that goes back to, you know, the under 18s um, and, and the youth the youth sides as well, is that they're all fairly trained in the same way. So you, you can get like, you know, with like young Rico and Cole Palmer and that, that coming in and they can they can do a job. Now, obviously, they get better as they play longer. I mean, that's, you know, without saying, because obviously you gain more experience and you can see the difference with some of our younger players now that have come in and you can see that they're, 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 they're feeling more confident, and I think that the players around them have confidence in them, and you can see that the you know that the, the they're getting them involved in in much more of the game, uh, and I've certainly seen that with 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 Rico. I think when he when we when he first sort of burst on the scene, there was that nervousness, which is and I'm not saying that you, you feel that you don't belong to the team, but you feel that you're just coming in for for a for a small part, and then you're going out again. And I think it's having that confidence to think, well, I want that I want that manager not to drop me next week. Um, and and I think that was something that I saw with with the players that have come on, um, and I think we we you know we were completely right, and Paul was completely right about the fact that is, that that you feel special as you uh, you're part of that team, and obviously going forward in relation to what we can win, um, and and I'm the same as Hal, and I'm really really confident um, because I'm confident in our ability and what we've seen and what we're capable of. That, that we can go on and, and, and win more trophies. And I just think that even if players like Calvin Phillips, who, who obviously are only playing a little uh, a bit part, they're made to feel that, they, that they're part of the whole thing. So I think that's, that's fantastic. And in terms of uh, the way that Pep um, uh, has been mentioned before in terms of his preparation, I think that's key. He's, he's just all over everything. He looks at various scenarios. I think he manages games in segments. And then obviously within that, within them segments are obviously what the opposing team do, because obviously, again, we can't calculate everything because we don't know what's going to happen on that time. But I do think that he manages in segments. 
And I think I've seen that before where we manage games and, and we don't try to overplay and so on and so on. Um, and, and I think he does that, uh, you know, he does that really well. And I just think he's got everything planned to the to the to the to the utmost point that that it can be, uh, taking in consideration everything else. Um, so I, I just I just I just feel that we're 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 in the place that that he thought we would get to, and that we're capable of. And I think we talked about this uh, some months about the fact that we needed to put together a a number of games where we go on a run. Uh, and that was needed. And I think, as we mentioned about the running uh, analogy that was used before, Arsenal enabled us to get to the level that we that we that we are capable of. Um, and I agree with things like that. I think it pushes you, takes you to that next level. So um, at this moment in time, you know, um, everything is going as as planned. You must have been delighted, Tony, that when Pep gave his little explanation about Rico Lewis, which in turn would have also given the ladder a lot of confidence when he said that both John Stones and Kyle Walker had learned from watching Rico Lewis coming in that little spell that he had when he played the inverted fullback. He ultimately said he didn't think that Rico yet had the experience or maybe the physical strength to really push it through to be playing presumably now in these big key games, games but he he explained to everybody that would listen and I'm sure Rico heard it that actually Rico Lewis has played a very significant part in developing the way this team is going and I know you've been you followed Rico Lewis a lot and I know that you've waxed lyrical about him so that must have given you a lot of um, satisfaction really to hear what Pep had to say. No I mean totally and I think that um, I think for the young man as well and again with other players there even though you're not playing, of which obviously every footballer wants to play every minute of the of, of he possibly can, it's he it just knows where he is and he knows how much he's appreciated. And I think he's uh, this moment in time. I think there's a new contract being discussed at the moment uh, with with Rico, which which is great, and it's the right time for him to to you know to to take that on board and for City to obviously make that offer. Um, so yeah, absolutely delighted for for the player, and I think that. You're getting players then, and and Rico, that he feels that he knows that he, how important he is, and he knows that he's going to play even bigger parts as we go forward for the next the next number of years as well. And he's prepared to bide his time. And I'm hoping really that we haven't seen the end of Calvin uh, Phillips uh, in that sense. He doesn't seem one a, a player that kind of rocks the boat. I mean, we we've seen that Laporte again, and that goes back to the way that Hake, Hake has come come forward. And the fact that John Stones is basically, you know, John Stones Ake are, are basically keeping Laporte out. Um, and then adding into that was obviously Rico when he dipped in there as well. So it, it, it it's just brilliant. And you just don't know how these players um, are going to interchange and how they affect. And what Pep will not stand is that when somebody rocks the boat. Um, and at the moment, everybody's pulling together, which is which is ideally what you want in any team. Music to the ears, no doubt, of Harlan, who uh, has been uh, the biggest champion of Pep and the whole way this team plays and just about anybody I've, I've ever heard. Um, Harlan, um, you're enjoying this, aren't you? We'll get you hang on. We'll just... Uh, I've, I need to get to, to be able to hear what uh, Harlan's yeah, got to say. No. Sorry about that, yeah, Harlan. No, that no you're my, right, mate. No. I muted you. It's all right, it's all right. It's good, it's good, Ian. It's it's excellent, honestly. I mean, 
it, it, I've got my players. I know Tony's got his. I know you've got yours. We all have our own favourite players, I think. And I think a man that we... It's four years ago, Ian, we, we sat in the, 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 the holiday in Manchester and this podcast first began. Episode six. The Okai Gundawan episode, as we nicknamed it. It was myself, you, Paul and Louisa, of course. And... Um, we were talking about Ilkay Gundogan, the underappreciated, scapegoated football player within the squad of that, that that season. A player that when anything went wrong in midfield, it was always Ilkay's fault. It was never Kevin's fault. It could never be Kevin's fault. You know, it was never Fernandinho's fault. It was always Ilkay Gundogan's fault. Well, I'll tell you what's in Ilkay Gundogan's fault now. The fact that he scored four goals in the last two games. I'll tell you what's Ilkay Gundogan's fault now. The fact that he's carrying us to another title like he did in 1819 when Kevin De Bruyne was injured for half of the season. I'll tell you what is Ilkay Gundogan's fault now is the fact that he wants two years and I think from what I can gather the club are only willing to give him one year. Um, it's one of those things, Ian. Uh, the man has gone and done it. I call him the Pringles man because he reminds me of the guy off the front of a tub of Pringles. Um, he, he's a phenomenal football player. He's clever. He's bright. He's the man that doesn't waste possession, as you eloquently said back in the day. And, you know, the man that won't just hit a shot when the crowd goes, shoot. He is the man that will recycle possession and will try to create a brand new opening. And for me, he's the... Kevin De Bruyne is by far the most the, the most um, ruthless and, and biggest risk taker in our midfield. Uh, you know, he, he said last week, didn't he, eloquently, that he wouldn't... He wouldn't take the stats that he gets during games too literally and that if he has 100% pass completion or 95 or 84, 5%, whatever it may be, he doesn't care. Um, he'd rather have 65% pass completion rate and have played more you know, quality, uh, more risk-taking longer, more direct passes. Um, but what Ilkay Gundogan does is, he does it different. He's his own man. He's the metronome in our midfield. And when you've got him, Kevin and Rodri in there, I think it's by far, if not the, one of the top five best midfield threes in the world. It is, it, it, it's a top three. It's phenomenal. Ian, you, probably we've, know, we've... you probably know that I'm not a statistics man. And just before you move on to whatever yeah. Yeah, it's going to talk about, I noticed today that uh, David De Gea um, has won the Golden Glove for the Premier League this season because he's kept the most clean sheets. The irony being that he seems to be on his way out of United and being seen as a, a player who's, you know, not played well this season. But the statistics say that he's the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. So you, your point about Ilkay Gundogan, well, actually about uh, Kevin De Bruyne and him not wanting to judge himself on statistics is spot on because if you attend games, as you and I do, or do you just watch the games, you know, you watch them on TV, but you watch the full 90 minutes. You can make your own judgments. It, 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 the, the fact that all these statistics flash up on screen, I just ignore them. And obviously at the game, I don't see them, but it isn't about statistics, Harlan, is it? No, but yeah, I mean, but the one statistic that rivals, well, there's two statistics come on now through Oracle or whatever it's called. Nowadays, it used to be Opta that used to do it. But, um, there's a contrasting statistic that I prefer to the pass completion stat during a game on television or, or in a game. And it, it's it's the penetrative passes that started to be put up. Amazon use it a lot. Um, how many passes have gone through the lines and have progressed the ball up the pitch into attacking areas? I prefer that to pass completion because how many of those passes have gone horizontal and backwards and, and, and have been overly recycled 
to keep possession for possession's sake? How many have actually created goal-scoring opportunities or potential goal-scoring opportunities? Um, I, I always refer to FPL, Fantasy Premier League. A lot of City fans play it. I don't play it. I've not played it since I was a kid. But your Gundogan's, your Bernardo Silvers, you know, your 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 Kevin De Bruyne will because of the amount of assists he gets. Your fullbacks will always get your points on there. You know, Erling Haaland's probably broken the record for the amount of points you can get in an FPL season. He's broke every other record. He's probably broken Vaz's in his own house. I don't know what else he's broken, but he's broken a lot. Um, but but what I would say is, your Gundogan's, your Bernardo Silvers aren't your football um, fantasy football players. Ian said it on the pod before. They're not going to get you the points for the variables that they calculate it on. But you just use your eyes. You know, you use your eyes or, for, sorry, for those that are maybe visually impaired, you know, you use your ears to listen to the commentary to suss out or to, 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 to understand and create that mental picture of how that player is playing. You don't listen and look at statistics to judge a football player. Gundogan is a phenomenon and he's a player that I knew we were going to be signing or that we were getting when he signed in 2016. I, I read a post I put out earlier on what a signing. You'd seen him at Dortmund. He'd been brilliant in the Bundesliga for Jurgen Klopp. You asked Jurgen Klopp in an interview who who one of his favourite midfielders ever to coach has been and who is one of the most reliable and top-quality centre-mids. And I guarantee that Gundogan is in his top three alongside maybe some of his Liverpool players and those from Mainz back in the day, without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. I must say, and I've probably said this before, that Ilkay Gundogan despite the other stars and fantastic players that we have in our team, is my favourite player, not least because he was born in Gelsenkirchen, which is the town where my mum was born. He's now wearing the number eight shirt. Uh, the home shirt this season is in honour of Colin Bell, who, of course, was my great hero and friend. Uh, and he's the captain of the team as well. So if there was one shirt that I could own <laughs> these days, it would be... Ilkay Gundogan's shirt, not uh, Haaland. Or, and that's no disrespect to those players, but that, that's how much he means to me. And he has been a crucial player. Um, so, so maybe this is a good time to, before we just finish the podcast by talking about Real Madrid, to ask you, Tony, with your eyes and what you've seen, um, you know, not based on any statistics, but purely on your football instinct, have City got one key player? Have you got one favourite player? Have you had one player of the year this year? Personally, I mean, um, I've I've always been a big fan of Carl uh, Walker and um, I think that he's been brought in and out the team. Uh, and obviously there was a talk that when Rico started getting his games, that Carl that would be the one that would, uh, that would kind of have to step out. But the fact that um, he's so trusted um, and he's so effective, and we talk about effective players... And what he does is just so effective. So for me, I think he makes a big difference. But again, he's not he's not somebody that that you would highlight in your danger men, as it were, as as, as someone like Kyle Walker. Um, and that's that's the thing about City team. And and when you sit there watching them and you look at obviously the bench and things like that, and you and you then say, well, you know, if if this person's not playing well or that person not well, you've got another three or four to to, to come in and play there. So so Cal Walker for me is is really effective, and I think that he will play a big part as he did against Real Madrid at times there, doing the job that he did. Um, I think he will be a key component on uh, on Wednesday night without doubt amongst the other players that we mentioned before. And we talked and we said 
I mentioned before about players coming in at the right times, players being taken out at the right times, and that you get the optimum of these players. And we've been able to do that this season. So we're going to see Kevin De Bruyne come back in. I suspect, as we've said there before, will come back in. And again, you know, he's not he's not being overplayed. Um, and I think even at times where Haaland was the same, we've not overplayed them. We've played them differently, but we've not overplayed them. And they're all coming in at the at the right time at their optimum level. So, and I think that's only good for the team. What's your feeling then uh, about this Real Madrid game, Tony? Are you confident that City will progress? I mean, we don't yet know for hundred percent when the final is going to be played. As we're recording this on Sunday evening, there is an election going on in Turkey, and I believe that depending on the reaction to that election, the right. decision will be finally made as to whether it goes ahead in. Turkey and Istanbul or whether it's potentially moved to Benfica that we're hearing um, so we don't know yet but are you confident the City will progress through to the final? We heard what Paul had to say, well, how are you feeling? I think more confident than I probably was this time last year when we played them, I think we'd seen the best of Real Madrid and I think we've coped a lot better um, I mean obviously there was, there was a part in that game that happened the previous year where we switched off and I just think that we've got we've got their number to that extent. And I think we will have to manage the game without being too over-aggressive um, because they will come out and they will try and do what they need to do. And I think Pep knows that. So I'm confident that it will probably be won in the last 15 or 20 minutes. I don't think we'll go out gung-ho to, to, to try and blitz them out of the way, to be honest. So I think it will be one of those games that will go right to the wire. And I think in probably the last 20, 25 minutes, I think we will see the, the, the changeover from ourselves. I must say, I feel fairly confident that City will progress. Um, ironically, I think uh, playing against one of the two Italian clubs, it looks like Internazionale at the moment, um, with obviously Edin Dzeko then playing against City mm. as well, which would be a, a little twist. Um, but at the moment, I think that one, a one-off game against an Italian side who we talked about dark arts before, um, can be a little bit more cynical. I didn't get to see the Milan derby because I was still coming back from Madrid, so I didn't watch how they played in that game. I listened to commentary on the radio and, and didn't sound like a cynical game, but there's always that part of Italian football that I fear. But I, 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 I think City will do it on, on uh, Wednesday evening. Um, yeah, and, and, and I don't think he as well. I don't, I don't think we'll get too, too carried away about the fact that, you know, we, that we... You know, if, we, if if and when we do go past Real Madrid, that 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 the game is is won as in terms of we've done the hardest bit, and I don't think people will allow that. Um, and it will be ironic, I think, that if it is moved to Benfica with the contingency that we've got, um, I think maybe something like that. You know, and again, these things, you know, sometimes fall that way. So I I wouldn't have a problem, and I'm sure a lot of uh, travellers wouldn't have a problem if it was in uh, Benfica. I'd personally prefer it to be in Portugal than being honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. to get there. That's, <laughs> that's my, my selfish way of yeah, looking at it. Yeah, um, Harlan. It'd have, it'd, have a, it'd have a particular type of romance to it, wouldn't it, Tony? If Edison and Bernardo and Cancelo's not with us anymore, but if Ruben that. Diaz. Ruben Diaz, of course, yeah, that contingent was able to go back and play at Benfica to, to, to lift the Champions League trophy for the first time. For City and for our fans, that would be magical. Um, but wherever it's played, and I think we'll get there. I think, as Tony just said, as Paul said earlier on, as yourself said, and, and as I firmly believe, 
you know, we will have to be a bit more streetwise on, on Wednesday evening, but I think there's enough quality there. The wisdom of last year helps. I actually look back at the podcast a couple of months ago, I think about a month ago now, when we were talking about the Bayern Munich games. And I actually referred to when we get past Madrid. And that was before we'd even played Bayern Munich. I'd almost shoved them to one side and thought, we'll do that over two legs. It'll be Madrid in the semis. We can right the wrongs of last year. Did we play better in the first leg than we did in the first leg last year? No. Um, do we still have a one-goal cushion? Yes. Was it enough last year? Clearly not. Um, I felt there was a bit too much pressure on the second leg. But we've got the wisdom this year, uh, which is why I, I backed Tony up completely, Tony. And I, I believe that we'll have learned a lot, which is why I'm almost glad last year happened now because we're in a much better position. And I think that, you know, in the final this year, um, we'll also take what we learned last year and in this semi-final over the two legs into that, uh, be it at Benfica or be it at Istanbul or in Istanbul even. Uh, we'll hopefully lift the trophy against who it looks like, Internazionale, and as you said, or Inter, uh, however they like to refer to nowadays. Um, Wednesday will be a touchy one. It will be a slow burner. I think we'll come into our own. And... Grealish missed a big chance last year, if we all remember that. I think Haaland would have put away. It's not as simple as that, though. Will he turn up? Yes. Will we get through? Yes. And then it's uh, on to Chelsea, then, isn't it, where I think we'll we'll lift the league title. And then the derby is a one-off. So uh, if we can do the treble, we're in the perfect position to do it, aren't we now? And um, no excuses. Only kidding. Well, thanks very much to, to Tony, especially for your patience, Tony, early on when we were listening a lot to Paul, but uh, Paul's always worth listening to, uh, to Harlan um, and, of course, to Paul himself and to you for listening and to Howard Solicitors for supporting the uh, the podcast, which is very, very much appreciated. Um, they're based in Ashton and Cheshire, Stockport, uh, Howard and Henry Solicitors, they're often referred to as, and you can look them up on the website, howardsolicitors.com. Um, or you can search for them just generally on Google or whatever, and you'll find them. And if when you message them on an email or you ring them, you mention Forever Blue, I'm sure they'll be chuffed. Uh, you won't get, I don't think you get a discount or anything, but they'll be chuffed to know that you heard about them uh, on the uh, the podcast. Thanks very much. Wherever you're listening in the world, um, I know there are people all over the place who listen to this podcast, and I do receive your messages, and they mean a lot to me that people say such nice things about all of you, by the way. Harlan's got fans out there. Tony's got fans out there. Louisa's got fans out there. She's not on this one, I know. But there, there are people who are getting to know you guys, and and I know that they, they really appreciate you your contributions so thanks very much for your time this evening as we record this one um, so next up it's Real Madrid in the semi-final second leg of the Champions League um, I remember uh, being at, uh, at Gillingham in that final I remember going down at Stoke uh, when we won and still went down to the third tier and all the anniversaries have been coming up recently um, and here we are um, in the Champions League semi-final second leg never take it for granted savour it Enjoy every moment and remember this. If you don't remember anything else, it's great to be a blue.